Without the shedding of the blood, there's no remission of sin. It's, it's the rule. That's how it is from the beginning till now. And it can never change. And that blood is already shed already. Hallelujah. Uh, from the beginning, God started the whole thing with Adam. When Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, he fell and, and forfeited the glory that God gave to the earth. Forfeited the glory that God gave to man. So he fell. And so all sin went, back to, went throughout the whole generation. And that's what we faced till now. But thank God for Jesus. So because they fell, what did God do? Because, first of all, they, they realized that they were naked and they had leaves to cover themselves. But that's not what God intended in the beginning, no. But then what God did, when he realized that they, oh God, God knew that they were going to fall. I mean, he had a plan already, you know. So God, nothing faces God. God sees everything from the beginning. <laughs> There's nothing you can do that he doesn't know already. So, <laughs> so he... He killed an animal, did a covering for them, put a covering and covered them, and then they got chased out of uh, the Garden of Eden. And that was it for, the, for, the, for, the man of, uh, for men. But then after a while, there's another one again that shows the sign of it. It's Cain and Abel. Abel gave the perfect sacrifice. He killed the lamb. And there was a shedding of the blood again. Perfect sacrifice. So it's going from God did he start, started the whole thing first, then to Abel. Then we have Abraham, which is the perfect example of the holy of what Jesus came to do. God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son. And that son, you know, you can imagine a long time. It took a while before God gave him the, the child, a child of promise. 25 years before he had the, uh, the promise, after a long while, God told him that, oh, I'm going to get, I'm, you're going to have a son. Obviously, Abraham thought maybe, I'm sure, like, you maybe it's like us, you'll be thinking like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe next year, two years or three years. I mean, it was going to 25 years, 25 years before God actually gave him the child of promise. But God still fulfilled the promise that he promised him. And then at the end of the day, imagine that. He told him, that child of yours, I want you to sacrifice him. Imagine it's like, Lord, seriously? You know? But he knew that he loved that child. But God wanted to see whether he actually loved him more than the child. And he gave him up. But while he was trying to kill the child, God told him, do not touch that child. Because there's a lamb prepared for him. But while they were going to the mountain of Moriah, I think, and um, Isaac was asking, Father, where is the lamb? He said, God will provide. But God did provide at the end of the day. He got a lamb. But that's how God did for us. His only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He loved the Lord Jesus Christ. God became man on earth, took our sin Shouldered it on his, on his shoulder. And he was, he was beaten. He was, he, was, he was whipped. All his skin came off. If you read Isaiah, I think that's 50, 53, 51. 
You could see the way he was not recognized as a human being anymore. But his bone was not broken. There's so, a reason for that. You know, he was whipped. His skin was broken up for our sake. And the reason why is that that body, if you recognize again in the beginning, the flesh of the lamb was what, Jesus, what God used to cover Adam. But the flesh of Jesus Christ is what we use today. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your old nature is taken away. You are, you're carrying and wearing Christ in your body. When you wear Christ in your body, that's the covering right there. It's, you are no longer yourself. It's Christ that lives in you. Because the body, the body of Christ is, is one. Your body, your old nature is gone. And that's why you are the righteousness. Christ is your righteousness. You do not do things by yourself again because he gives you the power. That's what gives you the enablement to be able to live a holy life. He gives you the power and the grace to be able to live the life that Christ wants you to live. Because the Bible says, you know, you should not be part of the world. You are not of the world. You see what I'm saying? You are in the world, but you're not of the world. So because... You have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That old nature is taken away. You wearing Christ. And that's what God did in the beginning. If you recognize when God killed the lamb, the body of the lamb was used to cover Adam before they chased out. But the body of Christ is what we're wearing. Do you see what I'm saying? Praise God. So because, because, because it's a perfect sacrifice which has been done on the cross, we have access to God. Because the, when he was nailed on the cross, the, the, the veil in the temple was rent into two. So that gives us the opportunity to go to God. Because Jesus is our high priest. If you recognize in the wilderness, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, they had to kill a lot of lambs, they had to kill goats just for their sin. To atone for the sin. They shed a lot of blood. And then they take the blood and they go and they sprinkle it on the altar. They take the blood to sprinkle on the altar and then they sprinkle, you know, the, themselves. The, the right finger, the big toes. And, and that way the sin is atoned for. But this is a constant thing they were doing day to day. Yeah, I mean, yearly. But God was not satisfied with that anymore. So Jesus Christ was a perfect sacrifice. And then when they do that, they eat the body, the body of the, the, uh, the, the, the lamb. They eat it. And that's why we have something that God gave, the, gave to us, Jesus Christ gave to us, is the breaking of the bread. That's our way of eating the flesh and drinking the blood. It's something that God left for us. It's something that Jesus left for us. Because the Israelites, if you know, they are special people. They ate the lamb. They have a special part they eat. They eat the lamb. They shed the blood. They used the blood on the altar. But whereas Jesus Christ was a perfect sacrifice, he took his blood. He told Mary not to touch him. He went to heaven and showed himself. And so, therefore, as a high priest, he's reigning as a high priest forever. And we are special people. 
special holy people, a royal priesthood. Because we are royal priesthood, we got to live the life of a royal priesthood. Do you get what I'm saying? The Israelites live a special life. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't mix with other people. I want you to understand where I'm trying to come from. They don't mix with other people. What I, what I mean is you are special people. Once you have come to Christ, you are royal priesthood. Be in, you are in the world, but be not part of the world. Do you see what I'm saying? So this is signifying what Jesus has left for us to do. Hallelujah. And if we can open to um, John six fifty six. It says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And so, whoever eats his flesh and drinks his blood abides in him. In another verse, it also said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I will lift him up on the last day. You are part of Christ when you're eating the flesh and when you're drinking his blood. You are part of him. It's something as a Christian that we must do. And it's something that, you know, because you, you, I want you to realize that this is not ordinary flesh. It looks simple enough because human beings, naturally, we always want something difficult. We always think something has to be difficult to be real. But it's simple. It's a simple, it is done. This is the flesh, signifying the flesh of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus. You must must eat it worthily because we're worthy in Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? You must eat it with, with with the intention that, yes, this is what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And by his stripes, we are healed. Once you're eating the flesh and you're drinking his blood, you are healed. Any sickness in your body, whatever that is affecting you, will be destroyed. You see, nature, human nature, the day Adam fell, nature fell as well. Creation fell as, as well. You can't trust creation. Creation lives to die. But as a Christian, we live. I mean, we, we live to live. We die to ourselves to live. Because eternal life is in the heart of man. God placed eternal life in the heart of man. And that's why you see men trying to find a way to live. Looking for all sorts of means to be able to stay alive. But we have no fear anymore. Somebody has died for us. And then we, we can live because of him. In him we live. In him we have our being. We are complete in him. Praise God. So the sprinkling of the blood, which has been sprinkled, the Lord has sprinkled it. He has gone to heaven to show his blood. And as a high high priest, he's there forever. And we are sitting with him in heaven, in heavenly place. Hallelujah. I want you to open to Matthew, Matthew 26. 26. 
And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's a finished job already. Jesus Christ said it is finished on the cross of Calvary. It's not, it's not something that, is, uh, you know, that you have to work. You don't work on it. If you have the body of Christ in, in your life, if you have the spirit of God in your life, he's giving you the power to be able to live the life of Christ. Giving you the authority, the power to be able to live in him. You can't do it by yourself because it's not by your righteousness. It's the righteousness. You are the, it's the righteousness of Christ. He's your righteousness. There's no other way. He's the only way. Praise God. That's it. Hallelujah. Father, Father, I just thank you for the breaking of the bread today, Lord. We are asking you that you should change it into your, into your flesh and blood in Jesus' name. And as we're drinking it, it will be a miracle to our body in the name of Jesus. That every sickness will be cast away in Jesus' name. I declare it to be the blood of Jesus and to be the flesh of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Morning, everybody. Hope you can hear me. Um, Karen's going to come up and share something with us. Hallelujah. Um, Many of you know Pam. Um, Peter and Pam used to come to the fellowship. Um, Pam had a heart attack this year. And I went to see her... um, on Thursday, and I was quite shocked because she's deteriorated to my eyes quite a lot. And I just want the fellowship to pray. You know, physically, it's really a miracle that she's still here. Her heart is functioning at such a low level. I mean, she's not on oxygen, but she is in quite a poorly way. She can't get rid of the fluid that builds up, so it's all coming gravity-wise to her feet. She can hardly walk. Um... She needs a miracle, really. I mean, in her spirit, she's quite bright. I, I'm not even sure she's aware just how very sick she is, which maybe is a blessing. But I just know that, you know, God is able. And I don't know what plan he has for her. And, you know, her and... <laughs> her and Peter, have, they've got such a big family, you know, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, sons and son, two sons and a daughter. And, you know, none of them are going on with the Lord, as I, as I understand it. And they've always taken their lead from their mum and dad. And now they're, they're both quite ill, really. And it just seems such a shame that in these... You know, they're not old people. They're only in their late... She's in her late 60s, Pete's 70. And... You know, I just want a mighty miracle to run through that family 
because there's such an opportunity to lift them up and um, if we could just just pray that the Holy Spirit will deal with that family that he'll move mightily in their lives even if it's even if it's not his, in his will that she should get completely whole I believe he wants to heal her I know he's able to but sometimes he, we walk a path that we don't really understand and so it's hard to know how to pray but he asks us that we pray anyway so I just want you to join me you know Heavenly Father, we bring Pam to you and Peter and her family. You know the beginning from the end, Lord Jesus. And you know she needs a mighty miracle of healing. We just wish that they were in fellowship with us again. Jesus, Jesus. We don't know what to pray. Just touch the Lord. Hallelujah, by your Holy Spirit, let them minister. Let them feel your presence in their home. Let them call on you in their, their night time. Let them rejoice in you in the daytime, Lord. We know that you are able, that it's such a small thing for you to do. But we worship you anyway, Lord. We give you praise for what they've done in this church for the blessing that they have been and continue to be to their family. And we rejoice that, that you are in control, Lord. And we give you praise and glory for all the things that you're doing unseen to our eyes. We give them to you. We place them at your mercy seat, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I think that's a wonderful hymn, and um, when you're feeling a bit low, make sure you've got it with you, so you can read it and believe it, yeah? Because sometimes that's all we can do is trust in God, and there's nothing we can do for Peter and Pam, but we're trusting God that his plans for them, yeah? And, you know, Peter was really, he's really blessed at me and Karen personally. He was, he was here with Alan and a few others building this uh, extension to the church up on the roof, we're very grateful for all he did, yeah. He's been a great blessing to us. And I know God's blessing him. We don't understand it. But we're, we know where he's going. We don't know how he's going to get there, whether he's going to be with us for long. But we're, we're very grateful for them. Now, I've got somebody else. Quasi's going to come and share with us. It's really good to have him with us all this time. It, it, he's, been, he's been with us nearly three months, and that's amazing. And he's... Uh, He's stirring us up at Bible study, so come along and listen, yeah? Good to have you with us. Praise the Lord. It's good to share the word of God with you from Christ as we journey through life in Christ. There are two gentlemen that I want to use to encourage us in the Bible. If you look at John chapter 11, verse 1. There was someone who was ill, and his name was Lazarus, living in Bethany, and then also, uh, which is closer to Jerusalem. And then there is another one, an invalid person who was beside the Bethesda pool, which is uh, John chapter 5, verse 5. That man has been there for 38 years. And he was waiting upon the Lord 
to relieve him from his situation. We all have needs. It may differ from one, from one to another, but we have needs. Whether a baby, whether young or old, or uh, rich or poor, or sick, or someone who is uh, healthy, we all have needs. And if you look at these two gentlemen, they had needs. Their needs were he was dying. We know Lazarus was a close friend of Jesus Christ, very personal uh, friend. And then when the need came, he called upon Jesus Christ. And Jesus never turned up. He said, I'm coming. And then the sisters, Mary and Martha, also called upon him. Jesus, the one that you love is in need of you. Where are you? Come, otherwise he is dying. And he said, okay, I'm coming. Jesus never attended. And then when you look at the, the invalid man for 38 years, lying beside the Bethesda pool, that was waiting for his supper to come. But he never came. As we all sit here, we have needs. I don't know how long you've been praying for your needs to be answered. It could be marriage. It could be healing. It could be house. It could be a job. It could be education. It could be anything at all. You've been praying for so many years, but no answer has come. But if you look at these two people, one is closer to God. I mean, Jesus Christ is the best friend of Jesus Christ. But when the time came, Jesus was nowhere to be found. Imagine, could you imagine, if you have a, a personal friend who is a billionaire, and you go to the hospital, and they ask you, you need to buy a medicine costing 100 pounds. And you call upon your friend. Please come to my aid. The doctor says I'm going to die. If you don't come and pay this $100, 100 pounds for me, I'm going to die. And the person says, oh, okay, I'm coming. And he waited for two weeks. Before he came, the person is dead and gone. Put yourself in that shoe. You say, oh, Jesus is, is wicked. Jesus is not, is not is inhuman. He doesn't care. But I come to tell you today that Jesus cares. But what he does is, our needs, he does everything according to time. If your time is not ripe, you will never see him. But the, time of, the timing of Jesus Christ depends on patience. If you don't have patience, you will never receive anything from God. So as we journey through Christian life, please let us stop complaining about my mom, about my doctor, about my, my, my president, or about the queen, about anybody. Because your, your, your needs is not in the, the pocket of the president. Your needs is not in the pocket of your mom or your sister. Your need is in the pocket of Jesus Christ. It's not in the pastor, Alan. It's not in, it's not in anybody's pocket. We come here together to learn the word of God. But our trust is based on Christ. Because Matthew 28, 18 says, all powers in heaven is given unto Jesus Christ on earth. So there is no other way apart from Jesus Christ. So if you focus your attention on Jesus Christ, he will do you good. Let us come back to Lazarus. When Jesus went there, Lazarus was dead and rotten. When we all know that when you die, nothing could be done for you. 
The queen cannot save you from death. The president cannot. Your pastor can only when Jesus Christ empowers him to do that. But everything is in the hands of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus went there, what did he do? He said, come out. Means that the, the, the spirit of death could not hold him. He commanded him and he came. And then when the time also came for the invalid man, he was crippled for 38 years. So when Jesus got into the, the, the sight of the un, un, invalid man, at once the person woke. I don't know how long you've been praying for your breakthrough. I don't know how long you've been praying for your, your salvation or for your healing or for, for a job or for a, a child or for a husband. If you continue to focus on Christ, he will do you good, as he did for Lazarus. If you cast your eyes back to um, uh, Psalm 125, verse 1 and 2, I say, They that trust in the Lord shall be like man Zion, which can never be removed but abide forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so shall the Lord Jesus Christ surround you. Where are you going? And why are you picking up quarrels among us? If you come to church, your focus is not in this church building, but your focus should be on Christ. And when your time is right, the timing of Jesus Christ is always perfect, but it, it requires patience. If you don't have patience, nothing could be done for you. After all, what is your, your purpose on earth? It's not to acquire houses or cars or become a president. The purpose, if you read, if you read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, it says the whole conclusion of the matter for a human being is to fear God and obey his commandment. That is the whole duty of a man. So as a human being, as a child of God, your duty is to fear God and, and obey his commandment. And the rest of it, shall be added unto you. So please, this morning, I want to encourage you. I don't know. Somebody waited for 38 years. He never went off. He was there by the Bethesda pool until his breakthrough came to, came to. And somebody, if you look at the distance between Bethany and Jerusalem, was about two miles. You can walk by an hour, or if, if you are driving, you can, it, it will take you about five minutes. But Jesus never went there. Jesus was eating with him. But when the time came, he never went until the timing was right for him to go. And when he went, even though the body was decomposing, but he came back to life. So whatever you want or your desires or your needs are, if you wait upon the Lord, God will bless you and make things work out for you. God bless. God speaks to me through... Speaks to me through just everyday life, and uh, I, I felt he was doing that uh, this week, and so I thought I would share it with you. Um, it's uh, it's springtime again, so my attention is turning to my garden, and uh, um, I've been uh, during the winter. I've been working on a border, um, not very often, I must admit. It's uh, some days you don't want to go out in the garden, so I haven't been doing a lot of it. But I've been preparing the border, which is uh, hasn't had much in it other than weeds and uh, ivy and bramble I've been preparing it so I've been digging it over getting all the stones out getting the weeds out getting the brambles out um, trying not to damage the plants so I'm doing that and uh, getting it ready and now my attention's turning into what shall I put into it and uh, done, doing a bit of research 
on the internet, which is a fantastic thing, isn't it? Because you can find so much on the internet. And, um, and there's so much there. But um, in doing that, I've, I've come across this thing called um, bare roots perennials, yeah? Now, I'm sure everybody here knows what a bare root perennial is, yeah? But just in case, <laughs> bare root perennials are exactly that. Plants that dispatch with bare roots, no compost, no, or plastic pots, because roots are in immediate contact with the soil, they establish fast, and they're cheaper. Yeah? They are plants that are dormant, so they're not actively growing, that are dug up and stored without any soil around their roots. The, usually the plants are dug up when they are dormant and then refrigerated until it is time to ship them to you. And I thought... Yeah, sometimes, I don't know about you, but I feel like a bare root. I feel like I'm in refrigeration, yeah? I feel like we've got nothing, no compost, no richness to do, and, uh, you know, God's just put me away for a little time to contemplate or do something, yeah? So, I, I then my next bit of research was, well, what do you have to do with bare root plants if you get them, yeah? And when I read it, I thought, wow, this is, this is God talking to me because uh, this is what God's dealing with me. So I'll, I'll let share it with you, yeah? Because I, I believe God's our gardener, yeah? God's planting us in his gardener and he's looking after us and preparing us, yeah? And uh, so the first things that you have to do with, with these is make sure the root ball is moist before planting. If necessary, soak it in a bucket for half an hour. So... Did you realise you have to baptise plants before you can plant them? <laughs> now, when I read a bit more, it says, you know, you've got to put them in under there, you've got to hold them down, because sometimes they bob up, so you've got to hold them down, yeah? And you've got to keep them down there until they're soaked. Now, I'm not suggesting when you're baptised in the pool, <laughs> but I think when God baptises in the Spirit, that's what he wants to do. He wants us to have a good soaking. So, sh- should we read... Um, Read about this in uh, Titus. Titus 3, verse 4. So Titus 3, verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Saviour toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly, through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So I think in life we need to be fully baptised, yeah, in the Spirit, yeah, before God can really use us. Yeah? And that was must, that's the number one thing on this list that you've got to do with your plants. So I think that's, that's the case. Yeah? Now the next bit in this list I got from the internet, well, it didn't seem to be quite right, but I'll read it anyway. If plants don't easily slide from the pot, turn it upside down and sharply tap the rim on your on your spade handle. Now this is talking about pot plants, so pot plants with compost and thing in a pot, so it's not a bare root. But I thought, well, sometimes God does turn us upside down, yeah? Gives us a bit of a shaking, might tap us because we don't want to come out, yeah, before he plants us. So if you're feeling a bit shaken up, maybe God is choosing to plant you somewhere, yeah? <laughs> Think about it that way, yeah? Now, um, as you probably know, uh, Luke and Adana's little baby, Nathan, was born this week. Yeah, I'm sure he felt shaken up as he came out. He didn't want to leave. He was happy there, but he wasn't supposed to be there. It was his time. 
God, God said it's his time and he's been born and now he can grow, yeah? And, and sometimes, you know, we get a bit nice and comfortable, it's nice here, it's no challenge. God's got a plan for us and sometimes we have to be turned upside down to get there, yeah? Um, the next bit, once out, scrape off the top layer of compost from the root ball to remove weeds, moss and expose where the roots radiate from the crown. Now, I feel sometimes God is scraping bits of us off to expose us, yeah? We don't like that, but they're weeds and moss, they're not good for us, but sometimes taking a layer off us and uh, something that we feel exposed, but he says, that's what you've got to do, you've got to take it off, yeah? You've got to be exposed, and, uh, you know, God does it gently and he does it for a good purpose. So when, when, when you feel like God's treating you harshly and he's exposing you, it's for a good thing, yeah? He's exposing you to the, the good things he's going to do with you, yeah? Um, if you're planting a border, cultivate the whole area and then plant rather than, then, and plant the whole area rather than make individual holes. Yeah? So God's going to make us a big space for us. Yeah? And I, when I read that, I thought of Matthew 13. You, you all know this one. This is a really good one. The parable of the sower. So Matthew 13, verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it then. Some fell on stony places where they had, did not have much earth, and they immediately sprung up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I was thinking about this and saying, you know, it's not just the good ground. God's preparing all the ground, yeah? A good gardener can get the stones out of the soil and prepare it, yeah? Where it's not deep enough, he can dig down and prepare the soil, yeah? So in all our lives, we've got areas which are not fruitful, yeah? God can dig those out, yeah? Not very pleasant again, digging down into you, pulling out your roots and tears, the things that you don't want to let go, but God can do it, yeah? And he can give us a much bigger place than uh, we think, yeah? So whenever you think you've got something, God's working on you, yeah? When he's digging that spade into you, yeah, God's working on you. He's preparing some more good soil for him to develop you. Um... Where roots are dense, tease out any that circle the base of the pots to encourage them to spread out into the soil. Now this one again is about pots, but I thought again, when you do it, my dad showed me how to do it, you rip them out, you rip them out. They're all compacted and you have to rip them out so they're pointing in the right direction, yeah? God doesn't want us to be looking inwards, he wants us to be looking outwards, yeah? He wants us to grow into the deeper soil. He doesn't want us to stay little because if we stay in there, we won't grow enough. And so God's going to pull us and redirect us where we want to go, yeah? So when you're feeling a bit pulled, that's a good thing. God's pulling you out. He's making you bigger. He's getting you prepared for a, a bigger growth, yeah? And to find the, the, the rich, rich soils and the water in the soils, yeah? Um, make the hole three times the width of the root ball and fork out over the base to relieve compaction before planting, Yeah? God's going to give you plenty of space to grow. He's not going to pack you in. He's going to give you plenty of space to grow. And uh, if we read Isaiah, fifty-four, 
Verse 1. Sing, O barren, ye, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not laboured with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, said the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. God's got a bigger plan for us than we've, we've got a plan for ourselves, yeah? He wants to make you more than you think you can be. So don't be hemmed in by a small hole. Make sure God's hole for you is big and uh, plenty of space to grow. Um, next bit, water in even if rain is forecast. Yeah, so God's going to continue to pour out his spirit on you even if it's forecasting rain. Yeah, and if we, we go to um, Joel, this is another one, another good one, Joel 2.28. Joel 2.28 And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. Yeah? God's going to keep you supplied. Yeah? More than abundantly. Yeah? Now we move on to the next bit. Now this is Alan's favourite bit about gardening. Yeah? Mulching with two inches layer of compost soil improver after planting keeps weeds down but also acts as an incubator, ensuring roots keep growing long into winter. Alan is always composting, he's always got something arriving. Yeah, I mean, I mean one of our first gifts from him at the uh, our first house, yeah, was a horse manure to put on our front garden. <laughs> it did smell a bit, didn't it? <laughs> he always likes a bit of compost. Yeah, now, it doesn't look very nice, does it? Having that sort of thing on it, yeah? But it's really good for you. It's got all the nutrients you need to grow, yeah? And sometimes, maybe you don't feel what you're going through is very nice. But God's the gardener. He knows what he's doing, yeah? And he's going to cover you up with this mucky stuff, (laughs) this smelly stuff, yeah? But it's good for you, yeah? And it acts as an incubator, yeah? And ensuring roots keep growing in the winter. So when it's not very nice out there, you've got, some, you've got something to keep you going. Stake small trees with bamboo and twine. For anything with a trunk more than one inch, use stout timbers and stakes and rubber ties. God's going to support us when we grow, yeah? He's not going to leave us alone. He's going to re- support us. So shall we read 2 Samuel? Two Samuel twenty-two, verse seventeen. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. So like a good gardener, he's going to look after us because he's going to delight in what we're going to become. I've got a few other verses as well to read. Psalm 1, verse 3. This is what he sees in us. This is what we're going to become. 
He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, for whatever he does shall prosper. So how about that? That's what God's, God's doing to us is his planting. And also Jeremiah 17, verse 8. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So I'm claiming that for you. I'm claiming that for me, these things, yeah? Now it's interesting, Aquacy was talking about um, God's timing, yeah? And there's lots of do's in this thing, but there's only one don't. Never plant when the soil is waterlogged or frost is on the ground, as buried ice stays frozen for months and slows roots establishment. God's timing is really important, yeah? So sometimes we have to wait, yeah? It's not, not good to plant it, uh, plants in the summer because it's a very tough time for them if there's less rain. And in the winter, you have to be careful. But God's got a perfect time for his planting us, yeah? He's a good gardener. He knows what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> but God's a good, good gardener. So I hope that's encouraged you. I'll let you know how my garden gets on. Yeah? And you can come and see it and see whether I've done any good. Yeah? Um, and if you want to know anything about bare roots, have a chat to me. Let me tell you, they are very cheap. It's a good thing. So God bless you all. What have I learned about planting <laughs> over the years? <laughs> I've been gardening for many years and I've planted so many things that I've had to dig up afterwards. <laughs> uh, my wife loves shrubs. <laughs> Every time I look at a shrub when I'm putting it in the ground that she wants, I think one day I've got to dig that up. <laughs> it will get too big. <laughs> But there you are, isn't it life? Isn't life? Life's like that, isn't it? Sometimes we plant things and <laughs> we never know what is going to quite grow. Hallelujah. But we are the plantings of the Lord, aren't we? Uh, the one thing I can remember about you, you were in prison in the Gulf for Christ. And what a testimony that was, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm hoping to write my testimony, but... Since then, that time, my life has gone on. And when Shirley asked me, how are you? And I said, my life has been a roller coaster. You know, since that time, I've had um, severe cancer, um, two or three cancers, and the Lord has healed me. And it's, I walk, still walk with the Lord. And for some reason, he said, go to that church today. And it was just lovely to see you both. But the Lord is, I think, something you said this morning, be in the world, but don't be part of the world. I felt the Lord really telling me. Um, the Lord is all around us, um, but we are special. We are God's creation. And even though we, we, fall, we seem to fall down, um, I was so privileged to have private medical health care. I was treated like a queen, and I thought, despite... You know, um, a very bad prognosis. 
it was just amazing how the Lord worked and used me. I mean, I had, um, I had a nurse, and she was just amazing, amazing Christian lady. Um, and I had all these pipes and God knows what all around me. And she said, come on, Joyce, I'm going to get you up to give you a shower. And I said, I said, what is your name? She said, Angel. And I thought, how oh God? Oh, I said, I'll have to get up. Um, I just thought it was amazing that her name really was Angel, you know. But how the Lord moves. And we, I just feel in my life, although, as you know, it was in the Gulf, I went through such a lot but the Lord has his reasons for everything the Lord has his reasons for putting us in places and there's always something that we have to look back and say I can see why you've done that Lord Um, I don't know what's ahead but I know right now that the Lord has a purpose for keeping me alive bringing me back from the gulf um, and doing all and I mean you know exactly what I went through in the gulf it was well it was an amazing story you know she, she was able to witness to, to people in the Gulf that I mean, you, would, you would not believe, you know, Ayatollahs, didn't you? Yes, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I had debates with um, really demonic Muslims and, you know, after that, um, the, sh- the sheikhs of all, you know, of Abu Dhabi, Dubai, um, he, they really, he had to go. I mean, I, I didn't know whether I could live or die, but I'd get out of the place alive. But the Lord was with me. The Lord, you know, was with me, and I thought, if I've got to do this as a woman in the Gulf, who they don't normally listen to, um, I thought, Lord, you have a purpose, and I think he's got a purpose for us all. No matter what we go through, the Lord is in there with us, and there is a reason for it. And I just thank the Lord for my health and strength today um, to get here. I can see a familiar face over there, Susan. The Lord moves and he has a reason for everything. Um, as you share today, the Lord puts us in places, but he's going to move through our lives. I mean, how miracle to have a nurse and she's called Angel. I, I, I thought... I said, are you joking? She said, no, my name is Angel. And she was an angel. She was a real angel. She had the patience, you know, um, with all these bottles and tubes and everything to sort of get up. And, oh, I thought, how are we going to do this? She said, we will do it. You know, and I just thought that was amazing. But the Lord is good. Even though we think, you know, oh, how am I going to manage, you know, with, you know, two cancers together, you know, um, it was breast cancer, lymphoma, and, you know, I thought, you know, I, I just had, my sister came with me, it was in Harley Street, and she said, Joyce, you know, you're in really high up places here. I said, I'm always in high up places, and I'm not going to worry. <laughs> and the Lord, you know, um, I'm still with all my consultants, there were so many of them, but they are amazing and even last week I was up there and I saw a girl that just been contracted with cancer and I you know it gives me a chance to witness to these people that the Lord yeah the Lord is in there and you know just move and have the peace that the Lord is 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 looking after you I mean it's just just amazing how he moves Um, and when you said I had short hair because I lost all my hair (laughs) I lost it all, you said, Shirley. You've changed your hairstyle. 
I have waist length hair. And a hairdresser in Billericay said to me, I, I said, Can I do something with all this hair? And I thought and prayed, and I was able to donate my hair to a child's cancer charity. They're desperate for hair. Um, and I just thought that was just so good that it could be used. Oh, really? I mean, I was so heartbroken to think it was cancer, but I'm going to lose my hair, you know. But the Lord managed to use it. I just wanted to share one thing. I was watching a program about criminals. I mean, people of the time of the Cray Twins. And I thought, why am I watching this, Lord? You know, um, but they were talking about people that were trying to give up. And they were telling all of the things that they'd done, the evil, the murders and everything else. And it was all uh, horrific. And then suddenly this guy said, but I have to tell you, I'm born again. And I really fell off. I really fell off my chair. He said, "I tell my mates." He said, "I wasn't born yesterday, but I'm born again today." <laughs> <laughs>